Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. I really enjoyed doing this episode with Charlie Lee, the creator and founder of Litecoin. We talked about what it was like in 2011 to start an altcoin and actually that he coined the term altcoin to be alternative to Bitcoin. And the the creation of altcoins back then was very different than the creation of, of altcoins now. And then Charlie went on to actually work at Coinbase and be part of the, the founding and executive team there. We kind of go into all the stories behind the who, the what, the where, the why, and the when, the people Charlie met along the way, and the fascinating stories. Have a great listen. I'm so honored that Untold Stories is sponsored by eToro. eToro is the smartest crypto trading platform and one of the largest in the world with over a trillion dollars in trading volume per year. What I really love about eToro is that the CEO has been around the Bitcoin space since 2012, so they really, really put their money where their mouths are. U.S. customers, myself included, we can trade the most popular crypto assets, in fact, almost all of the ones that you want to trade, with low but transparent fees. So you actually know what you're paying for everything. And that's really, really, really important. So if you're not ready to trade yet, you can practice building your portfolio with the eToro $100,000 virtual trading feature. So you can create this whole portfolio without trading with any real money to see how you'll do. And you can learn all the different ins and outs without using any real money yet. And then once you're comfortable, you can enter the market and start buying and selling crypto for real. Best of all, one of my favorite features is that you can connect with 11 million other eToro traders in the world, myself included. And we can talk trading, charts, and all things crypto. So listen, head on over to eToro.com Links are in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Scott Offord, the creator of Crypto Mining. Scott was my first sponsor for Untold Stories and really called me up and said, Charlie, I love what you're doing. I really want to sponsor your show and further the education. Scott Offord is the super czar of crypto mining. He's a broker of ASIC Mining Gear, helps people buy and sell their miners. So if you want to buy mining tools, if you want to buy miners, if you have any questions on how it works, if you want to sell your miners or even just broker them, Scott is the guy to call. Not only that, but he created a free Bitcoin mining profitability calculator at CryptoMining.Tools. That's the website. And it also has an interactive ASIC hardware comparison chart. What that means is he has all these different fields where you could enter data like, you know, the cost of your miners, the cost of your electricity, and it takes into it takes in things into comparison like the impact of the Bitcoin block reward having and it gives you things like what are your how many days until your return on investment? Is it even profitable for you to be mining? All these other type of information, which products to get. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to actually mine for Bitcoin or any of the other altcoins that have mining built in. Give Scott a call, send him a message. You can follow him on Telegram and at Twitter at Offered Scott. That's O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. Of course, the links are in the show notes. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories, can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the Blockworks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, Check them out at blockworksgroup.io. That's blockworksgroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. Hey, everyone. This is Charlie Shrem. You're listening to Untold Stories. Besides for being my namesake, Charlie actually doesn't doesn't really make sense. Besides for having the same first name as me, <laughs> which automatically makes him awesome because everyone named Charlie is awesome. 
Charlie Lee is famous going back many years in the crypto space. Most importantly, for founding and dreaming up of the concept of Litecoin. And I want to get into that. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Um, at this point, Litecoin is, you know, around the, the number five spot on the on the coin market cap. Um, the circulation is around $5 billion worth of tokens. And what was very interesting when I was doing my research is everyone knows the term altcoin. But I would say if I would ask 10 people, do you know what altcoin actually means or what does it stand for? I would say nine out of 10 wouldn't know the answer. And what's interesting is that what I know it is from when you were, when you had started Litecoin, uh, you kind of coined that term as alternative to Bitcoin. And that was very interesting how you kind of came up with that, with that idea. And, and um, I want to kind of go back to uh, the pre Litecoin days and talk about um Fairbix and Tenabrix and, you know, why you so eagerly wanted to create your own digital currency around the crypto space back in 2011. Sure. Yeah. Brings back memories. Most people don't know about, about those. Yeah. Things. I mean, I think most people today would actually think that Litecoin is the second cryptocurrency after Bitcoin. It'll always be the second. I'm telling you as a diehard It'll always be second to me in my heart. And just because of, you know, I guess the way you guys and eventually the foundation kind of portrayed it. But I want to let you kind of answer about what was going on in your head at the time going back. It's like, take us in the mind of Charlie Lee going back 2011. Back then, uh, there was Bitcoin, right? The, the, the second coin actually created after Bitcoin was Namecoin. So someone uh, decided to fork Bitcoin and try to add, um, try to make it into a coin that kind of replaces D DNS. I remember Namecoin. I didn't know you were involved in that. I, I wasn't involved in that, um, but I played around with it actually when it was when it first came out. I think Namecoin came out early 2011. And then there was PureCoin and FeatherCoin. I remember. Yeah, uh, PureCoin and FeatherCoin both came after Litecoin. Okay. Um, but there was about, I would say about a 10 or so coins that came before Litecoin. Um, i trying to remember. Uh, there was Xcoin, uh, Solidcoin. What about Darkcoin? Darkcoin came after Litecoin also. Okay. Darkcoin, I think was initially called Xcoin and then renamed yes. to Darkcoin and now it's renamed to Dash. What? I mean, the, the way I kind of remember it was that, um, you know, Bitcoin was worth trivial amounts and it was really for fun uh you know scientific uh, you know exploration if you will you know like um economic testing and i wouldn't even say economic testing because that would imply like a large scale but you don't you wouldn't you know the people the the users of bitcoin back then wouldn't even be large enough to make a sample size of a, of a proper experiment so i think what it boils down to it was just fun like, that's what it was, right? Yeah. When I created Litecoin, it was just for fun. I mean, when I created Litecoin, Bitcoin's market cap was, I think, only like less than $200 million. I mean, it's one one thousandth of today's market cap. So, yeah, totally didn't expect Litecoin to become what it is today. I mean, back then, if the community was maybe – a thousand to ten thousand people, right? I don't know if you if you remember in twenty eleven when when I created Litecoin. I mean, there was the first um, Bitcoin conference in New York. Were you there, Charlie? That was the Bruce Wagner's conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was pretty crazy. I mean, it was pretty much like every single Bitcoin. I was like seventeen um, years supporter. old or something. I was uh, young in the corner. No one. I don't even. Um, I don't even remember who I'm. I think I just met Roger there and I, maybe I don't even remember. It was so long ago and I was so young and, and scared. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty new to the space. Met Roger, um, Jesse Powell. Yeah. Let's see who else. Obviously, Gavin and Greeson. You know, it's interesting. A lot of my guests talk about that and reference that conference as 
a very pivotal moment as like, you know, one of my questions was going to be, who were some of the first people you met in the space? And when I asked someone who got involved in Bitcoin before 2012, it's always at that event was like the first, the first real time. It is. It's pretty, um, it was pretty cool. I mean, it felt to me like before that conference, um, everyone was just kind of knew each other online and Bitcoin was still like such a new thing. And no one really, like it wasn't, it was very virtual and not physical at all. And that conference was the first time you actually met, like for me, it was the first time I actually met someone else that was as crazy as me that saw a potential in Bitcoin. Was it like a validation? It was, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a validation. Yeah, there are other crazy people, people like me out there. For sure. Um, I, I definitely got that feeling as well. And I still felt crazy, but I think it, it gave us the, um, it gave us the ability to like, not be afraid to talk about it, knowing that there were other people, other like normal people, you know, cause I, I, I grew up, um, and I'd like to know if it was the same for you. I grew up without a lot of friends socially in like school and stuff, but I had more of internet friends and my parents were like, thought I was crazy. Um, in fact, when I was around, around that year, um, I took a trip to Norway by myself to meet up with, this group of people that I just knew online and, in, in, you know, these gray hat, white hat hacker communities. Mm-hmm. And my parents thought I was insane, but I mean, those were my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were insane. So <laughs> <laughs> I still am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That, that conference brings back memories. I've been trying to actually get in touch with, with Bruce Wagner, but, um, well, he, he like, fell off the face of the earth I think around the time of, of, of my Bitcoin situation, he kind of disappeared. And yeah, I think he's living in Thailand or something right now. Yeah. Well, he was off of all our Bitcoin. He was pushing my Bitcoin on all his followers, right? He had a YouTube channel. Um, and then my Bitcoin turned out to be one, like, I guess the first major scam in, in the space where they stole all the, um, all the coins that were put in that wallet. I think, I think my Bitcoin was one of the first times that we, so, so for those who don't know, my Bitcoin was a a very simple, I think one of the first super simple, fully custodial wallets. And it was just easy to set up and it allowed people to just do what you do on 99% of custodial wallets today, but it was very early on. And I guess we shouldn't have been surprised that my Bitcoin pulled that exit scam but the thing is, Charlie, like, I guess we were all still naive back then. And we were still like, oh, we're just friends and brothers doing this experiment thing. So we still can trust each yeah. other. And then when there was that big exit scam, it was like a big shock. To, to I mean, to it was us. the first time, right? It was basically initially people, Bitcoin wasn't worth anything. So people put a lot of their coins on this online wallet that was very convenient for them. And then as the price went up, it really became worth something. And then my Bitcoin decided to exit scam. And that, yeah, definitely a huge shock to the whole community. I mean, it was, that was like the first time that someone decided to steal like all the coins. And then why did, why did it keep happening? Like why, um, why did I as the community grew, these scams grew and they're, they're still happening today. I mean, I feel like we're, we're, desensitized to it so now you open up reddit i don't go on reddit anymore and i'm sure you don't really much but um if you do turn on reddit or whatever you'll see like oh this this exchange or this company is is experiencing problems and they're not withdrawing and then a week later you see that they're offline and we're like we kind of brush it off now we're like yeah we kind of knew that was going to happen yeah it happens like Um, a few times a year that's kind of expected why are people still falling for this um, it's just that, I think it's just that storing and protecting your own coins is hard for most people. It's not a s- simple thing to do. So people tend to trust others to help them. People are, do you remember the, yeah, people Sorry. are just used to like the current system where you put your money in the bank and the bank, um, protects it for you and is insured. Do you remember the early, the early blockchain? So blockchain.info was one of the earliest kind of mass used relatively safe wallets do you remember their 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 slogan was be your own bank 
And I always kind of thought of that as like cheeky. I, I would think about that. And then I realized, and I'll tell you a story. I was at a VC fund office in, um, you know, and I was that young and excited and I was in a, a, a VC fund in back in 2013 or something. And I was trying to raise money for a bit instant. And, um, I remember, I remember just being like, like glowing, just like Bitcoin's amazing cryptocurrency. It's the, you know, the future da, da, da. you can be your own bank. You have complete financial control. And then he literally looked at me when I finished my whole, my whole gospel, my whole spiel, the VC and he paused and he looked at me and you know what he said? What? He said, Charlie, I don't want to be my own bank. <laughs> and I was mind blown. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Most people don't actually. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. I thought everyone wanted financial independence. So then how do you, how do you build something? I guess we should take a step back and say, I don't think that it's people that they don't want. It's just too, it's too difficult. They don't understand so how, do, how to be their own bank. How do we, or they're scared. How do we build something where the user experience is good, but the, the safety and the security is still also good? How do we build something like that? Um, I mean, that's that's why people, like so many people use Coinbase, right? It's just Coinbase makes it so easy for them and Coinbase secures the coins, coins for them. So although you have to trust Coinbase to not screw it up, but Coinbase does a better job at securing the coins for, for people than for most people than they can do it themselves, right? So I think the solution, or I mean, Path towards the solution would be like better hardware wallets, right? Hardware wallets that make it very easy for people to secure their own coins. But we're not there yet. It's still really hardware really hard wallets to use. are still very, very geeky and very uh, fun. I I like them. I have a big hardware wallet snob, um, but they're like a geek. You know, I have a whole drawer filled with them. But yeah, they're not they're not for everyone yet. I want to go back to to back to 2011 for a yeah. second. So. Um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but you know, if you talk to someone new and you ask them what's Litecoin, they a lot of um, ignorant people will say that it's just a clone of Bitcoin and it doesn't really change anything. Or they get answers like, um, um, you know, Bit Litecoin is Bitcoin's test bed and it allows it to do novel things. But really, that's not the case. Um, when you when you launched Litecoin back in 2011, the, there were a lot of, there were a lot of differences, right? Um, the hashing protocol itself was different. If I recall, the transaction time for blocks um, was different, and I think the supply was different as well. Did you did you do that as like more of an experiment, or did you really see that those properties of Bitcoin wouldn't work in the long term? Um, I wouldn't say the properties of Bitcoin wouldn't work. I was trying something different. So I mean, Litecoin wasn't the first coin that that tried to do like faster blocks. But one of the reasons why Litecoin succeeded is because it was launched fairly. Like before, before Litecoin, all the other coins were launched with um, like pre-mines, with mining rewards given to like to the founders, and with just um, some of the like. If you were around at the time, some of those coins had really crazy founders like doing crazy stuff. Well, even even Dash and you know Darkcoin had a huge uh, developer mining. And, you know, you, you grew, um, I think Tenabricks, I forget the exact number, but wasn't it like 7 million coins or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so Tenabricks was the first coin that um, that used the script um, mining algorithm so that it was easy to, or possible at that time, to mine with your, with your CPU. And Bitcoin at the time was mined with a GPU. But Tenabricks was released by an anonymous um, guy who pre-mined 7 million coins for himself. And he claimed that he'll use those coins for, um, I think for, to do um, mixing, coin mixing, where you would send your coins to him and he would send Clean's coins back to you. Something like that. Is that what he yeah, said? Basically, that's what's the purpose for huh. those coins. But 7 million coins at the time was like, whatever, 99% of all the coins out there. Right? So it was a huge pre-mine. And then... The, the story behind that was um, people didn't like that fact. They, I th they thought the, the script mining was innovative, but they didn't like the pre-mine. So there was an initiative pushing for um, basically a clone of Tenebricks with 
with no pre-mine at all. And that's how Fairbricks was born, right? Um, so Fairbricks is a clone of Tenebricks, and, and I did that. I was the one that um, basically came out and said, I, I can help develop this. I mean, it wasn't that complicated, right? Just cloning Fairbricks and removing the pre-mine. Um, yeah. And that was launched, I think, in um, September of 2011. Yes. And... The launch had had a lot of issues because the the Tenebrix code had a lot of bugs in it um, that I was unaware of before I forked it and launched it. So, and after that kind of whole fiasco with the Fairbricks like launch problems, I decided to kind of just step back and say, why not just create another coin from scratch and fork from Bitcoin and kind of try to copy a lot of the stuff that Bitcoin did well and. And that's what happened. That's how Litecoin came about. What was the kind of reception from? I mean, these were diehard communities, right? These were. This was all ninety nine point nine nine. It was a hundred percent on forum.bitcoin.org. It was correct. Yeah. It was. It was before we even had that domain of Bitcoin Talk. We didn't even have our own domain name, right? We were like a subdomain. <laughs> we were a subdomain forums. Um, I actually don't remember when BitcoinTalk.org came about. That was later. Was that was later? like 2013, I think, or even 2012. It was, it was, this was purely forum.bitcoin.org. I remember it because I remember when Bitcoin Talk, by the time Bitcoin Talk was a thing, I was not really using the forums much anymore. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so it was forum.bitcoin.org. Um, and yeah, I guess they moved away from that because they don't want to be the official like Bitcoin forum. So they moved to BitcoinTalk.org. But yeah, back then it was the official Bitcoin forum, forum.bitcoin.org. What was the reception people gave you? The reception was, um, you can actually check, right? The, the Litecoin yeah. launch thread is still, is still there. It's actually pretty cool to go back and check what people were saying. I think a lot of people or half the people were, um, were saying like, why another coin? Which is pretty funny if you think about it from like from today, right? Back then it was the tenth, whatever it was, like around ten coins, and people <laughs> were saying, "Why are you creating another one? We already have like all these coins already." And then the other half people were were quite excited about kind of trying to basically excited about the the plan, which is to do a a Bitcoin fork that is faster, um, has more. Um, more coins in total and kind of modeled after silver. If, if you think Bitcoin is digital gold, Litecoin is digital silver. And that was kind of the plan all along. And the, if you, I don't know if you've ever traded Bitcoin like with local Bitcoin, like meeting a random person in a coffee shop somewhere to, to exchange sure. fiat for Bitcoin. If, you, if you've done that, you've kind of realized how slow Bitcoin is, right? How trans, how slow transactions, confirmations can be. Yeah. There's like a funny story of, you know, you're meeting someone in a Starbucks to buy some Bitcoin and you, he hands you a few dollars in cash and you hand him the, and you give him the Bitcoin and then you yeah. sit there and yeah. have awkward conversations. Yeah. And ten, 10 minutes is not too bad, but sometimes Bitcoin, because of the randomness of blocks, like every now and then it takes like an hour or two for a confirmation. Yeah. Right, and you don't really trust. I mean, back then people weren't kind of sure about uh, unconfirmed transactions, about how how easy or hard a double spend is. So, with someone that you've never met before, and let's say you're buying like a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you or selling, you don't, you can't really trust them that they won't double spend against you. So you just sit there for like an hour sometimes at a coffee shop or, or McDonald's or whatever, and you you kind of wait for a confirmation. Um, yeah, so, so Litecoin being four times faster, like having a 10 minute block for Litecoin is, is pretty rare. So it makes it so much, makes experience of, um, getting a confirmation so much better. I still have some physical Litecoins that I was given as gifts back in like 2013. I think it was, I'll never sell those. And make sure the Litecoin is actually still there. Cause, cause there were some physical Litecoins oh, no. that were, was it Liana or Liana? Liana is good. Um, okay. I've actually met the, the creator of that coin. Um, but there's some other coin, uh, Coinographic, that the creator just... No, really? Yeah. I have one of those too. You should check the, the block oh, explorer. No. Um, he, he kept all the private keys and stole all the coins like a few oh, years no. ago. Yeah, it's so it's pretty bad. You know what's interesting today? Um, like, like I said again, if you, if you talk, talk... This is a subject, mining. 
Do you know people still don't understand mining? They don't understand proof of work. They don't really understand um, the concept of mining and the different algorithms. Um, do you mind kind of taking us back to those days? Um, take us back to like when mining was able to be done on CPUs and eventually GPUs. And then um, tell me about script and, and why that came about. And then can you also let me know when my Butterfly Labs miner is coming? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. So when, when I got into this space in, I think, uh, April of 2011, uh, Bitcoin was already not CPU mineable. I mean, it is, but it's not efficient enough that you would mine anything, right? So um, you need to use GPUs to mine Bitcoin. And I actually created uh, my own GPU mining machine. Like I built a machine. Um, I think I plugged in four graphics cards into the machine and it was produced a lot of noise, a lot of heat, but it was mining like, I think it was still like a trivial amount of Bitcoin, um, but it was fun. Right, you kind of sure. it was almost like you're creating money out of thin air. Right? It was only mining five Bitcoin a day, so you turned it off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something crazy like that. But yeah, it became um, after a while the, as the difficulty went went up, it became kind of too cumbersome. To I mean, it became too hot and too noisy to be worth worth it. Um, but yeah, most people turn off their machines after a while and and then regret it later on when the Bitcoin price shot up. But yeah, so back then Bitcoin was was GPU mineable, and this was before like FPGAs and ASICs came about. And yeah, Butterfly Labs, like you mentioned, is the was the main kind of manufacturer of FPGA and ASIC miners initially. Um, and I, I actually bought some, and I received mine. Did you not receive yours? Well, you got your G, your GPUs, your ASICs. I got my I got a couple FPGA machines, and then I got a few. A6 from Butterfly Labs. I never got mine. Yeah. It, you just had to be lucky. I'm they just waiting. they went out of business like halfway through. I was asking Mike Caldwell about, about the Butterfly Labs on a previous show. I was wait, He's waiting for his machines too. <laughs> and and Stephen Pear as well. Um, I actually got, got a refund from them, believe it or not. Yeah, but they were, mine, they were mining on our machines for like ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it wasn't the worst scam that I've seen in the space. So true. It was a, it was an honest, um, I think they were trying to do it the right way, but they just failed and they yeah. weren't, they weren't out there to scam everyone. They actually had machines. That just, That's a good point. You think they had, they had, well, they um, had I mean, good intentions. they delivered the machines, right? They actually delivered my ASICs and refunded yeah. some of the, the ones that didn't, that didn't, they didn't deliver. So I think they had good intentions. They weren't out there to, they weren't trying to scam people from the start, unlike others. Good point. Yeah, so I mean, building a GPU machine was was hard, probably not easy for most people back then. So what script mining did was it made, at least initially, it made it hard for um, uh, for GPUs to, to mine script coins. So, it, it was the first coin, at least Tenebrix was the first coin that got people backed into CPU mining, right? And it's pretty cool if you've never done it where you just start up a program, right? The Litecoin uh, software and it will start mining coins in the, in the background. And you don't have to set up a GPU box and you don't have to buy ASICs. So it really kind of, the reason why it, it mattered is back then, the mining community is your community, right? All the um, the whole Litecoin community were, were miners, right? So miners were the people that were actually supporting Litecoin and pushing for Litecoin adoption initially. And that was, that was important. I mean, because they were the ones that... Um, were holding the bags. Kind of, right? They benefited from the coin, right? They, they were creating coins and they supported the coin. So, yeah, in a sense, they were holding the bags, but... Um, but in a good way. But yeah, yeah, in a like good you way. said, it was fair distribution. They were turning their own money and mining Litecoin. It wasn't like they were just getting it for free or something. They were investing in it and they were promoting it. And that's why you said fair distribution. Let me ask you a question. Do you think do you think there's a such thing as fair distribution for proof of stake coins? Yeah. So I mean, proof of work is as fair as we can possibly make it. But 
it's also it's a good point. Um, so if you're if you're mining, you're you're spending electricity and turning that into into coins. It's kind of like mining for gold, right? Anyone can well, can go and try to dig for gold. You have to spend money to to dig it out of the ground. And same for Bitcoin and Litecoin. You have to spend money, buy the hardware, and spend electricity to to mine Bitcoin and Litecoin. So it's it's and fair, time. right? Time. When people factor in mining, they they forget to factor in time, and time is a the most finite resource we have in this world. eToro is crypto trading made easy. It's one of the largest and smartest trading platforms in the world with extraordinarily low and transparent fees. Join myself and 11 million other traders and create an account at eToro.com. Links in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. As a mining equipment broker, Scott Offord wants to make sure his clients are well-informed and making data-backed business decisions. Scott created the only free online tool for calculating profitability and days to ROI for miners. It's a better way to compare the efficiency of various models of ASIC miners and to see how the price of the miner and the efficiency impacts your mining profitability. So check it out at CryptoMining.Tools and find Scott on Telegram and Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. That's O-F-F-O-R-D. S-C-O-T-T. A lot of people would still think proof of work is unfair because if you got into this, got into the coin late, then the mining rewards is less and you're, there's already people who already have a lot of coins before you got in, right? So it's, it's pretty much impossible to, to do a perfectly fair distribution. I mean, what, what do you consider fair? Like every one person having one coin, right? So um, with proof of stake, that's even worse because you have to initially figure out how to how to distribute that stake. Right. So a lot of uh, proof of stake coins start off initially as proof of work, try to distribute it fairly initially, and then over time turn into proof of stake, like what Ethereum is trying to do. But there are also other coins that are proof of stake, but they initially just like randomly distributed it to. Um, people who have like Facebook accounts try to try to do it in a fair way, but it's kind of everything can be gamed, right? I think was it um, is it Stellar or Ripple that gave away coins to to Facebook accounts? But you hear stories about someone creating like thousands of Facebook accounts to to get like a thousand times the number distributed. Yeah, there, there's a ter- there's a term for this um, a Sybil attack. Yeah. So sip basically yes, like like there's like a a, a bit shares and Steam it ran into a similar situation as well, with 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 basically creating these accounts that have no incentive, so they're not finite. You just create a million accounts and you get as many coins as you want. Whereas, um, if you create an account that's tied to something that can't be sibled, like a real identity or something, then you could limit, you can prevent that from happening. Yeah, um, but. I think everything can be can be gamed one way or another, so it's it's a tough problem. And also, sure, you just have to make it economically infeasible or disincentivize that, I guess, right? Yeah, and then also, in the end, someone is deciding how to distribute the, those coins, right? So it's not it's not fair why they get to decide how the coins are distributed. So I think mining, proof of work mining, is probably the fairest we can make it. Where does okay? So if we let's just say we look at it like a spectrum, right? Spectrums are always changing. Um, we look at decentralization and centralization. You know, like a whatever. Um, all the way one way, you have Bitcoin, Litecoin. You know, majority of fair distri- distri- fair distributed proof of work coins on the on the 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 left or the full decentralization side of the of the spectrum or the scale. And then you have other you know proof of stake or other type of extremely unfair distribution all the way on the right side, which is like the opposite end or the centralized uh, end of the spectrum. Now, do you, do you think, or do you see the ability to have something that's even more fairer or more fair, not more fair, more fair or fairer than um, the way Bitcoin or Litecoin does it now with, with proof of work? Is, is there, is there something else? Are people even theorizing about that? Is there anything like out there? I don't think there's anything out there, and I don't think people actually care, right? So on the other side of the... <laughs> if you're making money, why would you care? Yeah, on the other end of the spectrum would be coins like Ripple, right? Where Ripple printed printed 100 billion coins for themselves initially. And yes. I mean, they would they argue that they didn't do it, and someone else printed the coins and gave it to them. But 
I mean, you were there. Is that what they're saying? Is that what they're saying? No, that's that's not what they're that's saying. That's what they're saying today. Oh my god. Um, no, that's not. I was there. That's definitely not true. I have, I have emails. I should release. It. I have emails where they were offering me tens of millions of dollars worth of XRP at today's valuation if I had added Ripple to BitInstant, and I sent a scathing. Oh my god, dude! I sent. I said I should release this email. I have an. I I sent a response back. And like on the side, I so I like you know I like Jed a lot. Um, this is when he was there, and I like Arthur Brito a lot. Mm-hmm. I think they're two brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. Same thing with David Schwartz. And so, I send them a side email. I'm like, this is not towards you. This email is towards Chris Larson. But I sent an email to them, and I think actually, you want to hear something funny? I think Eric Voorhees wrote the email because he was my director of marketing at the time. Uh-huh. He wrote the email, and I sent it from my own account because I was the CEO. Yeah. And I was like. I don't think Ripple is has any feasibility. I'm not taking your bribe. Have a nice day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and my investors are like, what are you doing? Um, it was so funny. I should have, I, I don't know what I should have done, but it's a lot of money. Well, it wasn't a lot back then, right? It became a lot of no, money. It was like 10 grand back then yeah, or something like that. But it, and it was just supposed to cover developer costs. Yeah. I mean, Ripple is, um, yeah, these days they're really trying to change history by claiming that they didn't, they didn't create the coins. I mean, just try to not be labeled as a security, right? So they're saying that, um, oh, whatever, whoever, whatever, the, I think they're saying Jed as a separate entity, like created the coins and then donated it to to the Ripple company today. And now they're managing the coins. But whatever the story is, what happened was that they created 100 billion coins out of thin air and basically using those coins to kind of effectively to bribe people, right? To give away the coins. I mean, they did, they did a lot of giveaways if I remember correctly. So what's the demand then? Why is there even a price? <laughs> like how did they, how did Ripple get to a point? You know, like let's look at Litecoin. Litecoin has been around for, you know, almost 10 years, dude. Like, well, eight, like it's almost, almost eight day. years. But yeah. Oh, is it that? I thought it was 2011. It's 2019, 2020. Okay. Yeah. It's almost nine years. Yeah. Um, or almost eight. It doesn't matter. The point is that it's it's there. It's growing. It's chugging along. You're you know, getting your highs. You're getting your lows. But it's nice growth. Um, you know, you're going through some some growing pains, which which you know you've been helping out with with the Litecoin Foundation. But that's kind of understandable. You know, you'll you'll see cycles, ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But how did how did X Ripple that you know is fairly new? Um, and when I mean fairly new, you're talking like two thousand. Uh, like two years later after you, maybe 2013, I forget you know, like the that, modern yeah. iteration of it. How did it get such a, a craziness to it? Like where did the ripple army come from? And you, okay. You answer that. Yeah, first. So I what to say one more thing? What from, if you, if you've been around back then, you've noticed that ripple has always been like the number two or number three coin. Right. So what the, the strategy that they, they did was they, they own the majority of the coins, right? Initially, like maybe like 99% of the coins. So only a small amount is out there um, as kind of float. So they have effective control of the price, right? As long as they don't, they don't sell their coins, they can um, kind of uh, push the price up, right? And create, and you know, market cap is, coin market cap uses like the total number of coins out there. So yes, and they kept themselves like, in the kind of up there, right? Number two, number three coins by doing that. And it kept people thinking about them, right? And then they they basically, I, I consider it like kind of like fake it until you make it strategy where they would claim that they're using, um, the, using the coin XRP for these projects and then convince banks or other companies to support them and they would give away their XRP, right? In the in a way that's locked up, so whoever is receiving the XRP can't sell it for X number of years, um, and that's a pretty smart strategy. And then people who actually get the XRP would partner with them, and they release press release about how they're going to use XRP. Um, but they may eventually not use XRP at all. But what matters is the is the marketing effect it had, right? And then people would buy XRP, the price would go up, and then in meanwhile the company Ripple is selling like billion dollars worth of XRP every year. And they're just using that money to, to fund their, their company. It's been quite successful. 
why why is it that some some coins have like their armies and others don't you don't see a bitcoin army yes there are some toxic people but it, i feel like it's more fun you know at times it does flare up you don't see you definitely don't see a litecoin army right mm-hmm. um but the litecoin community is huge um you don't see um you know you used to see more of a dash army you don't see that anymore um but you see like the ripple army you see the tron you know what's worse than the ripple army now the tron army if you say <laughs> something negative about tron they come after you man it's like bad um i think they just have a lot of a lot of money i don't know if like they pay people to do it but um there's also i mean also there's a lot of backholders for all these coins right i mean litecoin included so it's people who have a lot of the coins and they support the the coin but yeah the ripple army is is pretty strong the funny thing is on on twitter if you if you create a poll with ripple as or ripple or xrp as one of the answers to your poll that will more likely not win at the end no matter what the poll is really i think they have like bots that would just automatically vote for anything that has ripple in it that's so funny so i'm gonna create a poll and say like what's your favorite apple orange pear or ripple (laughs) and then oh my god i gotta do that i gotta do that so so basically um so you started litecoin and it grew and then you you did what what anyone would do you got a you got a full-time job and you went to work for coinbase (laughs) yeah tell me about that why did you do that i mean coinbase is a fantastic company to probably work for i mean one of the first companies to to in the crypto space to offer like health insurance right and 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 a real office (laughs) what was what was that like um yeah so i mean i created litecoin in 2011 um Litecoin really didn't kind of, it's a decentralized currency, right? So it actually just chugs along by itself. And there's a healthy set of miners mining it. A6 came out and people were mining Litecoin. So it was doing fine. Um, so I decided to, I was working at Google at the time, and I decided to kind of shift gears and go all in on cryptocurrency. Um, but Litecoin obviously wasn't going to pay my pay my salary. So... I was looking for a Bitcoin job. And at the time, Coinbase was up and coming. Um, they had a wallet. And I just saw Coinbase as a it has great potential. Right? It was trying to make Bitcoin easy to use for like the mom and dads, for grandmas, or, any, or anyone for that matter to be able to buy. Sorry about that noise out there right now. No, no worries. Yeah. By the way, I, I created that tweet and I tagged you in it. Let's see, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so Coinbase made Bitcoin easy to use and um i thought that that was very important for for this for the space at the time that because storing like the whole thing with like the mount gox and like the actually mount gox didn't happen it happened after i joined coinbase but with like my wall uh bitcoin wallet and the my bitcoin wallet and stuff so it was storing coins was really important was really hard for people and i thought coinbase and buying and selling coins was hard Right at the time, there was like local Bitcoin, and then or you can send your money via Duala to to Mt. Gox to buy coins, and Coinbase just made it so much easier. Right, so I thought it was uh, a, a good company and decided to to join them to help make Bitcoin easy to use. And Coinbase has been able to not only last this long. I mean, I don't think people realize that Coinbase. I think was founded in 2012. It was I yeah, 2012. Um, I remember a funny story that. Um, um, it was me, Roger Veer, uh, Tony Gallippi from BitPay, Jared Kenna um, from Trade Hill were invited over to this guy's house for a barbecue. And I was like, Roger, who's this guy that's inviting us to his house? And he goes, oh, his name is Brian and he works for Airbnb. Um, and he's interested in starting a Bitcoin company. And I said, OK, sounds great. And this, you know, this Brian Armstrong, the the CEO of uh of Coinbase, and this was when he was first starting uh, Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Brian has been able to lead uh, Coinbase for so long. Um, Coinbase has been able to maintain that Apple, you know, um, be the darling of the crypto space. You know, kind of the the sexiness and and that it works and its reliability of that you associate with Apple or MacBooks, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a fantastic thing. Uh, but of course, there you know, people would say there were, there were some mistakes along the way, but no one's perfect. Um, how does Brian deal with that? How does he go through 
kind of like such immense pressure that that people will put on him, especially with things like what happened with Bitcoin Cash. Um, how how does he deal with that? I mean, he he does a very good job of of just ignoring the hate, All right? So. I mean, Coinbase has definitely gotten a lot of hate from the community over the years. And he, I mean, you just have to kind of keep your eyes down and and just focus on, on executing. So, so far, our poll has gotten three, 38 votes in the past minute. And 66% is Ripple, 23% is Oranges, and 11% is Apples. Uh, so you're right. Your experiment is working so far. I'm curious to see... You're going to see tens of thousands of votes. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are trolling also. So like non-Ripple Army is also voting for Ripple. Um, but I didn't really say, I didn't really say like that it was an experiment. I'm just, I don't, I think some people will catch on, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Let me see what we'll you, see what happens. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about um, kind of the Litecoin Foundation, how that's going. And, you know, let, let's, let's, I understand that it's hard to incentivize developers to work and, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, the Bitcoin Foundation was actually started to do the same thing. It, it floundered and ended up doing something completely different. But um, the idea behind that was to raise money to just freely pay developers and do advertising and to continue working on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, within Bitcoin, people have been able to 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 get paid separately from companies like, you know, like Chaincoid Labs or Blockstream yeah. or whatever. Um, can that, ha- can we do that with Litecoin? Can that, can we have, can that happen down the road? Yeah. So the, the cool thing about Litecoin is, I mean, it's, we keep our code base very similar to Bitcoin, like very close to Bitcoin. So we, we basically get all the features of Bitcoin, um, uh, for free, right? We just, whenever Bitcoin releases new code, we merge into Litecoin, test it and make sure everything's okay. And we can, we, we can release it. Um, that's the nature of open source, uh, software, right? So, I, a lot of times I jokingly say all the Bitcoin developers work on Litecoin because whether or not they like it or not, they, they, they help Litecoin. Um, and that's true, right? So, so being close to Bitcoin, we can, we can do that. Um, and, and it's also true that it's over the years, like there are not many people interested to actually work on Litecoin itself, right? Because Litecoin is, is kind of boring. Right? It's it's very similar to Bitcoin. It doesn't do a lot of diff- a lot of many different things, and it kind of just works. So it's a it's a boring kind of coin. Um, so not it doesn't really um, excite develop developers, right? So I've, I've had hard time like finding people working on Litecoin, and, and 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 I think in the end that's fine because you don't really need that many developers to keep Litecoin up to up to date. A lot of people don't know this, but Litecoin found Litecoin Foundation was started in in twenty seventeen. So it, it was, it's a fairly new foundation um, set up to kind of just support Litecoin uh, in whatever ways we can, whether it's uh, hiring developers or um, pushing for adoption. Um, we do whatever we can with the limited amount of resources we have, right? So we, we make money from, um, from donations, a lot of it from donations, from merchandise sales, um, and from kind of partnerships with companies. And then we basically take all that money and just put it back into the community, put it back into the coin, whether it's hiring developers for the core software, whether it's for like the, the mobile wallet, like low wallet, or whether it's for pushing things forward with like implementing uh, privacy on the coin. And then, um, yeah. And- that's, that's why I don't live in California right there, by the way. <laughs> you got pianos, you got alarms. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Give me, Okay. No, don't worry. Yeah, so, um, and we also um, do some sponsorships, right? So, like, for example, last year we sponsored, like, the, the UFC, and this year we're working with the, the Miami, Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, yeah. So, just trying to get the word out there. I, saw, I randomly saw that, by the way. Not even associated with you. I ran, like, completely separate. Yeah. Because I'm in Florida, so I see advertising. Did you go to the game? No, I don't. I, I'm going to be going to Miami in a few weeks for something, but... um. And, I'm, and I'll be at the Hard Rock Stadium, but that's a beautiful stadium. Yeah, yeah. We need you need to do the Litecoin Lounge. That would be fun. <laughs> maybe maybe next year. Um, we need. Yeah. So the the Dolphins. Yeah. So we we push for adoption, right? So the the Miami Dolphins, their um, 50, 50 raffle will set Litecoin and Bitcoin. I think starting game two, they're still working on it. So it'll be cool to be able to actually spend cryptocurrency at a NFL stadium. 
and for everything we do, we all we always push for both Bitcoin and Litecoin. I think that's one of the things about Litecoin is we, yeah, I think Litecoin is a good complement to Bitcoin. Um, unlike a lot of other coins, like a, a lot of coins actually want to say like they they're better than Bitcoin, right? I think that's pretty pretty normal in this space where they think they claim to be better than Bitcoin. But I never see Litecoin as better; just a good alternative and a good um, complement to Bitcoin. I love it. A, 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 the true the true altcoin right um yeah there doesn't have to only be one as uh, you know to counter the lord of the rings episode yeah I, I think that i never thought that bitcoin would would be the only one right i think it's it'll be more efficient if bitcoin is the only one but people always want choices about a year ago you posted on reddit that you were um exiting your position uh your, your you know your most of your positions of litecoin and you were deciding to step away um, when I read that and um, when I read that and I know when other people, because it was highly talked about, other people who have been involved early in the space read that, immediately understood why you, you, you were doing that and actually um, were, wonder, uh, were wondering why it didn't happen sooner um, because you did it out of love, right? And so the question I have is, were you sad by that decision? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it was weird to, to not kind of hold Litecoin, right? I mean, I still have some that I use for kind of daily purchases for testing the, the coin. And I still have some physical Litecoins, but I'm not really invested in the coin itself, which is a weird feeling to, to be, right? Because that's never been the case. Um, but it's also, it's also nice to know that what I'm doing right now is, is just out of, wanting the coin to succeed and not has nothing to do with any um not because i want to make myself more money right so by not having being invested in litecoin it kind of it's kind of it's a good feeling right where i know i know what i'm doing is is the right thing to do right so when you remove the financial incentive for motivating yourself and you're now incentivized by by what your legacy or you're your wanting to do good and to, to truly change the world. I mean, what gets you out of bed every day? A little bit. Your family, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, for sure. It's, it's kind of wanting to, to change the world. Right. And I like coin is, is kind of like my, it's my baby, right? I wanted to succeed. It definitely. I'm still definitely highly motivated. Um, People complain about me not having skin in the game, and I think that's pretty silly. Litecoin, if Litecoin succeeds, I gain the most out of it, right? I mean... That's true. When Litecoin succeeds. <laughs> exactly. And I'm... Yeah, and I'm putting... I'm working on it full-time, right? And time is worth more to me than money. So, I mean, you have... Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely have a lot of skin in the game. And, um, and yeah, I think... It definitely keeps me keeps me working hard. It keeps me motivated. Um, I'm working as hard as I've ever done, ever ever been on on Litecoin. You look at someone like a federal judge, right? A federal judge is not a federal judge because they make money doing it. They're a federal judge because they they love the world. They love they 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 love you know humanity, and they want to be able to to make the world a better place. They want their part in that, right? Um, when I was when I was being sentenced. The judge outright asked me, he said, you know, when when your sentence is over, um, do you plan on getting back into the Bitcoin space? And I was nervous because I thought he was going to put some sort of, you know, ban on me being able to work in, in, in anything related to crypto when I when I get out of jail. Um, and so I realized that honesty is the only answer. And I said, I said, your honor, and you could read the transcript. I said, um, your honor, like. Bitcoin is my baby. Like it's my legacy. Um, it's, it's what I was, what I feel I was put on this earth to do. And I can't really see myself doing anything else. And I hope to, to teach people the mistakes that I made and prevent them from doing that. And you know, what was interesting, mm -hmm. Charlie, he, he, he understood mm -hmm. and, and he understood completely. And he said, I, I don't, you know what he said? He said, you're a visionary and I don't doubt you'll be very successful in the future. And I was like, wow. And I, and I remember that, Every single day when I was in jail, every single day, I never forgot what he said. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I get, 
I get what you're saying and I get why. And I think now that you're free of the shackles of being so invested in Litecoin, you're probably working harder and, and doing a better job without having that stress on you. But also without having to second guess myself, right? So back in 2017, when a price is going up, I would make some tweets and I would kind of sometimes ask myself, am I doing this to kind of try to help the price go higher for my own personal benefit or is this actually good for Litecoin? Or sometimes I would um, post, tweet some good news about Litecoin and maybe do it um, and wonder if that's actually good for Litecoin to kind of pre-announce stuff, right? Or if, if it's just for a good price pump, right? So, and then once I'm not invested in it, then I know like whatever I'm doing is actually good for Litecoin and not because of any price-related uh, reason, right? And that's that's kind of a different feel. Do you think there will be any, do you think there will be a coin or a token that comes out in the next few years that will be like in the top 10 or that'll have as mass market, like that'll be as, um, as popular as, you know, used something like Bitcoin or, or Litecoin. Do you think something like that or, or we're kind of like past that, that stage now? Mm, you're saying, do you think there will be a new coin that would kind of creep up the top five of the space in market? Or cap? even just be so, even be so novel and so different and so extraordinary and play on any shortcomings of, of all the other coins that it would just be like the number one. Mm, I don't think, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything like Bitcoin was such, such an innovative, like, um, thing, right? I don't think anything would, would be able to innovate on top of Bitcoin that much to make it able to kind of replace Bitcoin. Right. I think Bitcoin itself can can innovate, um, will innovate, and will be able to fend off any any attacks from any any other coins. I, mean, I think one of the most innovative thing that was um, that came out recently is is Mimblewimble, right? Are you yes? And it's it's basically done privacy done the right way where it can scale, right? And it's very it's very innovative. Um, but Mimblewimble coins aren't really doing that well in the in the marketplace these days, right? It's just it's it's tough. But I think the technology is is really cool, and that's why I'm looking forward to kind of adding it to Litecoin. I think what you're saying is you won't see new coins, but you'll see new technologies be invented, or you know, new new things that that could potentially make um, Bitcoin and Litecoin better. And then you see though, you know, you see these coins eventually adopting these kind of like a Chinese buffet or like, uh, you know, like a golden corral or something like that. Yeah, but in a in a conservative and safe way, right? You're not going to start adding... How, how, conser- yeah. how conservative and safe do you need to be? Well, I mean, Bitcoin is a hundred, like $200 billion market cap, right? If you if you screw it up, you can, it can, the price can tank and you can lose a lot of money, right? So you don't want Bitcoin to be, um, to move fast and break things. Not anymore. At not least. not anymore. Right? You don't. You wouldn't want to introduce a like. You wouldn't just introduce Mimblewimble onto Bitcoin and hope that it just works flawlessly. Right? It's not. You, it's not something that's easy to to change, and and for good for good reason. We don't want Bitcoin to. I agree. To be, yeah, it's it's fine that it moves really slowly. Are are you are you working on anything now that my listeners can follow you? Um. Well, like I said, I'm working on. Um, trying to add Mimblewimble to Litecoin, right? Trying to make Litecoin more private and more fungible. I think fungibility is one of the main properties of money that is missing from, from Bitcoin and Litecoin. And that's something that we need to improve. I agree. And so you're, so you're continuing to work on, on developing technologies to be implemented on Litecoin. And that's, that's really amazing. I I think a lot, I think a lot of people don't, don't know that. And that's the, that's really great. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, and thank you for now being a Bitcoin developer too, by virtue of. <laughs> um, well, we'll see if Bitcoin actually um, does something with Mimblewimble in the future. I mean, I hope it does. I mean, I think we we will slowly but surely add more fungibility to Bitcoin over time. And I think that's that's really needed. So trying something different with Litecoin and see, see how it works. 
So our we are over 500 votes now. You'll see a lot more, I guarantee it, because this just came out a few minutes ago. But um, Ripple still at almost 50% of everyone's favorite food. Yeah, I mean, Ripple is tastes great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, <laughs> Ripple tastes great. Charlie Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, they can, everyone can follow you at, at, on Twitter at Satoshi Light, L-I-T-E, um, Satoshi the way it's spelled. Um, thank you so much again for taking the time and I look forward to releasing releasing this episode. Sure, it was great talking to you, Charlie. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Scott Offord, the creator of Crypto Mining. Scott's a broker of ASIC mining gear and helps people buy and sell their miners. He created a Bitcoin mining profitability calculator and an interactive ASIC hardware comparison chart that you can find at cryptomining.tools. It's the only free online tool for calculating profitability and days to ROI. That includes the impact of the Bitcoin block reward having. The calculator lets you put in your estimated uptime to give you a more realistic profit projections. So check it out and find Scott on Telegram and Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. New episodes go live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. EST. Links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter, Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. See you next week.